Uh, thank you, Greg. Yeah, it's a longer passage. It's talking about a shipwreck. And it says a lot to us uh, about how we can be, we can have our shipwrecks in life. We do not have to have a shipwreck in faith. Uh, it's been said over and over this morning that, uh, that we're a community here. We're, the church is supposed to be the family of Jesus. Uh, we are also, uh, at, as these tables show and signify, we are a lot of communities within one community. Now, you may think, well, how many small groups? We certainly don't have as many small groups as we have tables. No, that's not what I'm talking about. All of you, and wherever you go to church, but particularly in this church, because I've seen it, all of you come into church and you immediately form some relationships. I mean, if you're involved, if you're engaged, I mean, you get close with really a handful of people, and that's good. And sometimes that can be shown in a small group. Uh, Sometimes that can be shown in a particular mission or ministry that you're really passionate about. You may be really passionate about kids and children. So you're like, man, I'm, I'm delving in. I'm going to serve you know, every Sunday if need be in children's ministry. It may be with students. Uh, it could be with one of our foreign partnerships. We've got a lot of folks that are passionate about Honduras. We've got some folks passionate about India. And in all of those different ministries, they are communities within this, with this larger community of the church. Now, I say that because there's a big... Big, big, can I emphasize that anymore? Risk in that, okay? And the risk is that you stay there, okay? Here's what I mean, you know, let's say, they didn't know they were getting picked on today, but let's say this, this table here is a group, a small group, and then this table here is another group of folks that know and like and connect with each other. And let's say, because they're close, these two Groups of relationships connect. But they may not know what that table or that group or that net of relationships in the back corner, in that back corner, are up to or doing or involved with. Okay? That's a, that's a risk and a danger that all of us can fall into. I mean, look, I have. Going to church, being in church. I mean, we, we gravitate to people that we like and we connect with. But the church is supposed to be, and what we want to always intentionally push this church to be in, is, is one whole community. And, and often, like, getting to know people we wouldn't normally maybe hang out with or go to dinner with or double date with. And so the risk, the danger is that we can get our relationships and we can be, and I've used this word and I will use this word again, we can be very content, even complacent. Like, I got my tribe, I got my mission. Like, you can be passionate about it again. Some mission to span, which is great. Honduras, which is great. India, which is great. Like, man, I'm there. And that's where I'm going to live. And you don't really leave there. I say it's a risk. And I also say that we all need to intentionally, like, get real with God and say, Lord, push us outward because, and here's the why, people have shipwrecks in life. Everybody here, and I don't know the, the potential nature of the shipwreck, but everybody's got a shipwreck. And so... You know, this tribe or group here, I want them to know about the shipwrecks going on over there and vice versa. And so, you know, this day hopefully is a step on that, but we need to continue, like, 
saying, no, I want to I move out because there are shipwrecks in life. And you may even say, I am a shipwreck, okay? I, I mean, I've been a shipwreck, and some of you may have been or be shipwrecks. And the church, you know, I was in Chris Kellum's house and Polly's, summer 2007, and Chris and I were talking about, you know, these things like the vision, mission of this church. Or what's, and we kept coming back. This is not on the website but, or anything like that, but... But lead the world to Jesus and his church. And I, and I think any and every church, I mean, that's, whether that's like codified or clarified or like those exact words, but we are to lead the world, and this is our world right now, to Jesus and his church. Not necessarily this church, but a church and a church that leads others to church. Because there are people out there who are shipwrecked, and you may be having a shipwreck, and we need to, we need to lead people to Jesus and say that he makes... He makes things well, and it starts in a heart and soul, and he can make your heart and soul well. So I say all that to say that Paul here is going through a, what we think of, like really, as this shipwreck. Shipwreck of a ship at sea, and why does this happen? Let me say this to you all. Paul is Paul, okay? Paul wrote most of the New Testament. You might know the story of Jonah. I know Jonah, you know, come on, Jonah, Jonah, Sunday school, you know, he's a whale. Like, Jonah was rebellious, okay? Jonah's like, I don't want to go where you're sending me, God. Jonah's like, I'm gone, God. I mean, I'm not following your call. And yeah, I mean, he, he got tossed overboard and those things happened. Paul, <laughs> there's no rebellion going on here. Like, he wants to follow the Lord. He wants to claim the Lord. He wants to present Jesus to the nations. And if you don't know what happened... Two years previously to this, he was in jail. Okay? Then, it's not like a peaceful, easy sailing voyage. I've never been in the Caribbean, but like, you know, through the Caribbean. I mean, shipwreck on an island, deserted. Oh, and then, by the way, he ends up in Rome in jail. Okay? He's not rebellious at all. So why does this happen to him? And I'd say that because for those of you who are going through a shipwreck... Those of you who are a shipwreck, those of you who have been a shipwreck, those you know someone who is a shipwreck, why, it's a valid question, why does God allow it? Anybody ever wonder that? Why does God allow personal shipwrecks in our lives of physical disabilities, emotional, physical, spiritual, cancer, uh, relationships that are broken, estranged? Why would he allow shipwrecks? I don't know fully. I do know this. One reason he does is though at a point, and that may be soon or later, you can understand God allows for some shipwrecks in life, but it can never be possible for him to give a shipwreck in faith. Now, it might be for us if we're in seasons of unbelief, but that doesn't have to happen. The God we know, the God we see in the Bible... He doesn't, like I prayed about, he doesn't leave us. We're the one who walks away. So one reason I think we have shipwrecks, and one reason I think that we see this one is to show us you can have a shipwreck in life. You do not, you do not have to have a shipwreck in faith. Amen? I mean... You can have faith in, yes, Jesus our Lord. And, and some of you don't know all that there is to know about him. But we as the people of the church, the reason I talk about 
tables connecting with tables and groups connecting with groups and people connecting with people is that we've got to cultivate, here's a big word for us, and the stuff I go to, primarily like Acts 29 stuff about church, they say, you know, a healthy church, there's a lot of cross-pollination. So you got relationships, but you got some relationships feeding and ministering into others. And so, yes, there are going to be shipwrecks in life, but there does not have to be a shipwreck in faith in Jesus, but also that God is working through this shipwreck and God will, will bring us safely to shore. I'd love for you to see that. I'd love for you to connect with that. I'd love for you to relate to that. It is the gospel. It is hope. It is how things are, what we've seen, well with our soul. I can't force you. I can pray for you. I can preach it. I can communicate it, but only the Holy Spirit has to awaken a heart to saying yes. There don't have to be shipwrecks in faith. So I think this, I think this passage shows us uh, a couple things that are very, very practical for our faith today as we move forward. And we see it in Paul's life as he's on this boat, as he's going through the shipwreck. Uh, the first thing is there is faith in wisdom. Hear me out. There's faith in wisdom. He says this, uh, verse 21, Paul says, You men should have followed my advice to sail from Crete and sustain, not sail from Crete and sustain this damage of loss. Verse 10, he gives that advice. Men, I can see this voyage is headed towards disaster and heavy loss, not only of cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. Did they listen? No. Uh, Do some of us listen when given advice? Sometimes. Probably not at all times. Uh, Paul, give you a little bit more context, uh, he was actually a seafaring man. He, they, they think that he probably traveled about 3,000 miles across the Mediterranean in all his missionary church plant work. He even said, I think it's 2 Corinthians eleven twenty five. 25, said, I spent a day and a night in the deep. Meaning like he's at sea for a day, whole day and a whole night and just, I don't know, treading water, okay? God protected him then. He knows about the sea. He gives this seafaring advice. It's not followed, and all this stuff goes down, and there's the shipwreck. So often, I say this because often we can have like, oh, yeah, man. Like for some of you, like, man, I connect, and I've seen this. Like, be passionate about faith, and, man, I just, just believe, and, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go where God's calling well, sometimes, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, that's not strong faith. Sometimes that's reckless faith. To, to just go and not use sound judgment, uh, not get other people's that you trust uh, their, their wisdom. i you know, give you a couple examples. Uh, one, where, uh, well, over the last year, I talked about it. Some of you may have questions. We'll continue talking about it. It's been a process. I mean, leaving, exiting out of the United Methodist Church. I mean, it took us about a year. Uh, but part of that is because trying to get uh, as much as possible and to receive as much as possible that would speak into my life, lives of elders about how to go about this, how to do this the right way. Does the whole church, does the majority of the church, is this something that they desire? Trying to have memories, trying to follow through a process, trying to not just be reckless. And I believe uh, that, we, that we did that. 
Another example would be, you know, the mission trips that we do. You know, I've, I've heard it said, and I've just said, hey, man, just go. Just, just follow. Just, just go in faith. But there's a ton of planning, as some of you can attest, to, you know, a group of 20 or 30 going down to Honduras. You know, nearly, nearly a year, nine months of planning, preparation. Uh, even more if there's been a trip to, to India. You don't just go. And even though we may say, just go, we, we don't just go. We plan it out. We're not reckless. Another example is to uh, follow doctor's orders. I was thinking about, uh, thinking about you, Reed. Okay, got a broken bone. So I love baseball, and so my favorite, t- my favorite player on my favorite team is Aaron Judge. You like Judge, don't you? Kind of, sort of. So Judge, for those of you who know, he just broke his his wrist, which is really has been devastating if you're a Yankee fan because they've. They've kind of tanked since then. Anyway, he's power hitter, slugger, all this. He broke his wrist. Well, first they said he's out three weeks. Well, now it's looking like six, eight weeks. For some people, and I actually read a lot about Judge. He's a, he's a Christian believer. He doesn't really talk about it a lot. But, you know, you could rush back. It's like, man, I've got to get in the game uh, for my team. I've got to do it. That can be reckless faith, and he can, you can re-injure yourself. So I say that to when there is a healing process that needs to take place. Did you catch me on that? Because I wasn't just talking about physical. I'm talking about emotional, relational. That can take time. We have patience that the Lord can heal in the body, in a relationship. Time, wisdom, faith. Another thing it shows is faith in the resurrection. Luke wrote, and Luke was on this ship. He says, all hope was fading that we would be saved. Verse 20, all hope was fading that we would be saved. Look, I've never been in this situation. Some of you may have. I know Christians who have. At times, Christians of the highest caliber, Paul, Luke, they pretty much see in front of them not that God is going to rescue them from this earthly life. And they have to know that their God, our God who we worship, is a God who does not abandon us even at death. You track with me there? There are moments, and some of you may have been through this. Like I said, I haven't. I'm I, trying to think back through my, my memory. I will get there at some point. That you're like, okay, it looks like I'm going to die now. That's what I'm talking about. Okay? It's like, I don't, I don't see any way out here. I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to meet the Lord. So that was the situation they were in. Did they lose faith? No. Did they have faith in this earthly life? No. Did they have faith that they were going to make it or the ship was going to... No. Their faith was in something higher. Their faith was in a greater life. Their faith was in the resurrection. So it gives us this example that there are some shipwrecks in this life, at least until the Lord comes back, that may cost us our earthly life. Okay? This is like hard preaching and I'm not... I'm, I'm really, I guess I'm not trying to fire you up here or anything, but it is the reality that there are going to be times, unless the Lord comes back before, that our faith is going to have to be in someone greater than anything that we see on this planet. That is the faith the Bible gives. That's the faith. So this summer, my grandfather passed. Many of y'all prayed and very thankful for that. But I, look, I have talked to me, I've pastored men in their 90s. My granddad was 89. I've pastored men in their 90s. And I still remember their names. 
And they've said, how do I really know that this is legit? That this is, that I'll be in heaven? How do I really know? And it, it grieved me that you get to that point and you question. So I say this about granddad. Okay, he's 89. Great, full life, all that. You know, and I was with him several days over the last two months. He never questioned. You know, the doctors, I mean, he was terminal. You know, they said at most a year he lasted two months from the diagnosis. Uh, grandmother as well, which she, she'll probably hear this at some point, but her faith in knowing that her husband was going to be with the Lord, she was going to be, you know, without him, uh, have seen a faith in someone higher and something greater than this earthly life. Sweet stories about them comforting one another. I've been told. And so at a point, look guys, at a point you're going to have to have faith in something greater than, than our earthly lives, our physical ability, our earthly bank accounts, our earthly Rolodexes or contact lists on the iPhone. You're going to have to have something, you're going to have to have something greater. I don't want you to get there. I don't want to be there. I'm just saying that's what they have. That's a lesson. When their shipwrecks had happened and then at the point where like the ship is going to sink. <laughs> The ship's going to sink. There are no islands. God doesn't abandon us. God doesn't abandon us even in death. That's the hope of the gospel. And you see this in Paul and Luke. They're like, we're good. You know, serve the Lord. Be with him. Something else here. A lesson in faith is that there's faith in prayer. And I just, this is real quick. You're like, where does it say faith in prayer? Well, verse, verse 22 Paul says, I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only of the ship. For last night, an angel of the God I belong to and serve stood by me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar. And indeed, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. Now, that doesn't say anything about prayer right there. What it does say is God's graciously given you. So there, at some point, was an ask. You hear what I'm saying? Somewhere, Paul said, Hey, can you save our life? Hey, Lord, can you save? And he said, don't just save me and Luke. Save all the men who are also unbelievers, because he said the God I belong to, as in like they don't. So I ask you, do you believe that, I mean, I know we say we believe in the power of prayer, but do you believe that prayer like impacts, like changes things? Because I don't know what God's mind was, but at a point it says that God is... Decided to spare your life, your lives here. Prayer works. Prayer impacts. And I would say, look, in the shipwrecks of your life, I mean, when, or when it seems like there's no, there's no rescue, please, I mean, don't think too much about your prayers. Just, there needs to be arrow-like prayers there needs to be like desperate cries, please, broken sentences up, like, Lord, help me. But with the faith, with the belief that God does it, God rescues. Faith in prayer, faith in action. So God's promised, but does Paul sit back and say, man, God's going to deliver us? Does Paul sit back and say, man, it's going to be okay? Does he sit back and say, it's going to be good? No, he doesn't. Paul, and if you really know Paul, He talks a lot, uh, and sometimes he's not that diplomatic. But verse 31, 
They're trying to leave the ship. He's like, don't. Keep the sailors back in the boat. My point here is there's faith in action. Like We can just believe, and I've met and known people like this, like, well, I just believe, I just believe. But we've got to act in our faith. We've got to do these, these practical things that, that make things happen. There, nothing just happens, okay? Like this day didn't just happen. You know, meal, you know, appear, tables, chairs, you know, everything. We say, man, we're going to have a community Sunday. It's like, man, God's just going to provide community. The Spirit's going to be here. Yes. Supernatural, yes, I believe. You may not believe that, but I believe the Spirit's here. God's at work, all this. But does the lunch happen? No. Do you just happen? No, you get in your car. You have that action in faith, okay? And maybe you're like forced to attend. I hope not, but I know how church rolls around here. You can say like, yeah, I believe it. You got to come to church. You got to show up. You got to, in a busy season, a busy month with school and everything, you got to prepare or buy some sandwiches or chips or something. You got to get, like action has to happen. The little things are very, very important. The details and my wife is not here, but she knows, for me, details, shmeetails. But they're vital, okay? She's taking care of details right now. Amen. 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 <laughs> Nothing just happens. This church doesn't just happen. And I say this for, like, the last thing I want, or the elders, I can speak for them, is, like, just a complacent, content, like, humdrum, just kind of come to church and do the deal, and it's a tag-on like, we don't want, elders are here. Would you say amen to that? Y'all aren't elders. I know Chris is there, okay? But yeah, like, n- nothing just happens. So God provided and said, you're all going to be safe, Paul. And Paul's still giving instructions. The other thing is, God set some boundaries on that. This is really, you'll, you'll miss this. Because God said, stay in the ship. And these dudes, they're saying, well, we're safe. We'll get out in the boat. Did you hear me there? You didn't hear me. God sets boundaries on our life. God will say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep you safe and grow you. Don't get outside these boundaries. We're going to talk a lot about these boundaries in the fall. You know, that really poetic series I'm doing called Money, Sex, and Marriage. Like, literally, it's going to be called Money, Sex, and Marriage. God has some boundaries set there. And God promises, God, promises, God, God doesn't promise no shipwrecks. He does promise like I'll provide. You get out of those boundaries, uh, as some of us have done, okay? And, and there are consequences. There are consequences to the actions that we take. There's faith in action. The last thing, okay, there's a lot, a lot you can pull out of this passage. And this might be most important for all of us today. This shows faith that the practical can be evangelical. What's evangelical? Leading people to Jesus and his church. What's practical? You may not have read. You may not have listened to Greg. You may not listen to me, but now, this is important coming up to what we're about to do, which is eat. They have a meal on the ship while the ship is going down. And Paul prays and thanks the Lord. I don't know if you're catching me on this. They are sinking. It's really bad. Paul thanks the Lord for providing in that time, okay? We live, and I'm guilty of this. Man, we have, my wife and I were talking about a child, I'm not going to name his name, who is in a very, a very, very bad uh, parental family situation. I mean, it's just, it's just bad, it's just relationally. But then, you know, we're talking like, we, and 
claim my wife on this. Like, well, you know, at least, you know, he's not like some of these kids that we have met in Honduras and India that, that literally, I was, I was meeting with a, a guy over there this week and he picture of some, one of the ministries in India, you know, child asleep on the street in the dirt. Like, is it really like this? Yeah, it's really like that. So in this bad emotional relational situation for this child, and I'm not saying the child's doing this, but he does, he has us and he knows that. We can give thanks that God provides. In the shipwrecks that we have, we can still give thanks. So we're going to be at a table and eat today. And for you to know that your simple prayer of blessing or your simple conversation, and I really believe this, the very, very practical, okay, can be evangelical, can be this testimony in our world, okay? Man, I really, I, I pray, I plead that you would know that, not just for today, but every aspect of your life. You go forth, lunches, praying, blessing over lunches, relationships, no accents in Christianity. There are none. The relationships in your life, the encounters in your life. Do you believe that? Do you have faith in that? Some of you do. I know not all of you do, and I pray that you do. I'd close with this. Isaiah 43, 2, a verse. And it's God speaking to Isaiah. And he says, says, I will be with you when you pass through the waters. I will be with you when you pass through the waters. Here's the sea. They're shipwrecked. They all arrive safely at shore. So in your life, I'd ask you, and I'd really ask you to think about this, especially as we're going to witness a baptism. Are you, are you a shipwreck? Are you going through a shipwreck? I know some of you are. I know a lot of you, there's no way you would stand and admit or write a testimony about that shipwreck. I know, and I know pride is really, really strong in me. You're going to witness a man who's been a shipwreck and he shares about it, you're going to see a bit of what God's doing in his heart and his life. Do you know someone who's going through a shipwreck? What are you doing about it? I'm not saying you've got to sign up for seminary and be a pastor here, missionary. I'm saying, are you encouraging? Are we thoughtful? Are we loving? Are we walk with people? Are you walking with them? Lead people to Jesus and his church. What God's done here, what God's doing here is that through his Holy Spirit. What we try to be is a community. I'll say that over and over again. I pray that God's community grows here, that relationships across the church will cross-pollinate and connect, not by me, but by the Lord supernaturally. We can be a community as we witness a baptism today. We also give an invitation. I, th- I think one thing that we, I think we do fall short on this and is like just being, seeing life as an invitation to others. Inviting people into walks with Christ. And I'm not trying to say like use the Sunday school talk, but like being engaging and saying like I'm here to help you, walk with you. Understand, think about Christ. I'm here to invite you to a church. I'm here to help you find a community. I'm here, here to help you find a group. We're to be a community. We're to give an invitation. I invite you all. You know, every time we have a baptism, we open it for baptism. The water is warm. Okay? The water is warm. Some of you have not been baptized, but I believe some of you have been baptized in the Spirit by the Lord, and we'd love to celebrate your baptism. It doesn't have to be today, but love for it to be today. We give an invitation to receive every Sunday. Receive Christ. You come to communion. I 
And expect you're being honest with your heart to the Lord, to God, your maker, and saying, I am a Christian, I believe. And we celebrate. And what God has done, what God is doing in lives, in a life, in the life of this church. And you're like, well, maybe like, what's there to celebrate? One, we're together, okay? But that's kind of like, it's kind of like human nature, kind of pretty cheesy. We celebrate that God can give salvation any moment. God can rescue Anytime. He is our rescuer. He bring, everybody here, if you believe in Christ, you will be safely brought home to heaven. I can't promise you safety in every situation in this life. You should celebrate that. Everything else that happens in this life, and a dear, um, a dear old friend uh, is here, and I didn't always believe that. Did I? You can shake your head. <laughs> I didn't always believe that. But nothing else matters. We're to be at a community, give you an invitation. We are to celebrate. I hope you'll celebrate what God's doing here and in this life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for, thank you for what you're doing. Cause us, let us see the world in you. Let us, I pray that we would see this church in you. I pray that we would see our lives in you. I would pray we'd see what you're doing in us, through us, in others here. Uh, push us and prod us to have faith that you are, uh, you never abandon us in, in any shipwreck. In you, we are always going to be safely brought home. I pray that these people would know that, that it would just either grow or resurrect their faith. Not in, not in a person, not in a church, not in anyone but you, Jesus. To you be the glory. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, those who, we have a baptism. Pete, go ahead, he's already gotten up. Anybody else who feels led to be baptized, our elders are going to be in the back. You're welcome to talk to them. We'd love, we'd love to celebrate your baptism. But we have one that we're about to see. And you know, we, always, we always keep them nameless, but we read, share their testimony that they wrote. So this is, this is the story of what God's doing, and he's definitely just begun in this life. I've always had a superficial relationship with Jesus and only sought him in foxhole prayers. In February, I turned to him when no one else could save me from the horrors I had created in my life. He sent me an angel of forgiveness. He began to move mountains in my life and brought me back from the depths of my personal hell. He has forgiven me, and he does forgive me even long before I fall to my knees in the morning and beg him for it. I know today with every fiber of my being that Jesus loves the ragamuffin that I am. And if he so willingly and powerfully saved a wretch like me, all are worthy of his grace and forgiveness. I still struggle to get out of my own way, sometimes because of the wonderful An amazing life he's redeemed in me. I forget it wasn't me who did this. It wasn't me who brought me back from death. It was my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Say that again. It wasn't me who did this. Let me say that again. He said, it wasn't me who did this. Let me say that again. It wasn't him who did this. It's never us who does anything. Even the choice we make has already been made by our Lord to say, I'm taking you. And he's there. We just turn and trust 
in him. He does the salvation. I love that. It wasn't me who brought me back from my own death, he said. It was, if we can't celebrate this, if we can't celebrate this, then we've become so indoctrinated with like church and churchiness and Sunday school stuff that we really don't know it. He says, it was my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That would be a cue for an amen. If you cannot celebrate that. I mean, I'm like, come on, brothers and sisters. It was my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to believe fervently, fully, completely new life. New life change. And get past. There's so much that pride and pressure of the world can surround us and put on us. And man, we play the game and we play the role. One thing this church will always be is authentic. It's only in and through Jesus Christ. We celebrate Him and what He's done. So, as our worship team leads us, I invite you to stand. They're going to invite you to come forward if you want. We're going to celebrate. We're going to say, we didn't make a payment. We didn't make a down payment. He has paid it all.